You're listening to Radio Influence. Why, You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. And today we continue our talk looking at the beautiful game of baseball. So let me hear you. Good and loud. All right, Gary. All one. All two. All three. Hey, me out to the I'm really looking forward to today's show. We're going to focus on the changing landscape in the baseball world right now. It's like nothing we've ever seen before in all of sport. The minor league contraction. Major League Baseball has eliminated 42 minor league teams, leaving well over 1,000 players looking for places to play. Not to mention the coaching staff and the support staff and the ownership and administration. All these people who are now looking for other avenues to participate and stay in the game. Well, it's an interesting time in baseball, there is no question. And in the absence of 42 minor league teams, what's going to fill that void? Well, there's a couple very interesting developments on the player performance pathway landscape, and one of them is the newly formed MLB Draft League. Today in the show, we will talk with Carrick Jackson, who is the president of this newly formed league. It's a six-team summer league for college and elite high school players to get some extra playing time, but also to get some serious exposure and to uh, you know showcase their craft and their skills. But it's also a really good environment for them to understand what professional baseball is all about. We're going to talk to Carrick about the draft league, what it's all about and how it's going to sort of work into the player development pathways. So speaking about changes in major league baseball, but there's also some interesting developments in the minor leagues this year. After missing an entire year, um, minor league players are coming back. And for everybody else who's missed time, this is not a normal season. We really need to make sure that we take the time and take the proper steps to get ready for this baseball season. Look, baseball is an incredibly unique sport. We're saying the same things to our soccer players, our badminton players, our basketball, volleyball players, our hockey players, everybody who has missed this competitive season because of COVID. It's a different landscape. And if you go back to our show, The Kids of COVID, there could be some some really interesting things that happen as we get back to sport here. As the vaccines roll out and we look forward to getting back to sport, now is a great time, everybody, to start focusing on what you need to do to get ready for the sport you love. Whether you're a weekend warrior, whether you're a recreational adult hockey player or you play in an adult league, or whether you're a competitive athlete getting ready to get back into your sports, we have to think differently after missing an entire season. But in our Kids of COVID, we talked to Dr. Eric Holt about a potential upside of not competing so much. We know that injury rates are really high right now. We know that the dropout rates in sport are incredibly high. But we wonder that now that competition has been taken away, if we focus on the technical, tactical side of becoming a better player at your sport, and then also focus on the athlete development side of becoming a better player and supporting player development, could there be a serious upside here? 
Well, we think yes on two fronts. One, because of this time away from the stress of competitive sport and the overscheduling that we have a tendency to get involved in, I think we might see a decrease in injuries in the big picture if we handle it properly. But I also think, and so do a lot of other people like Dr. Holt feel, there's a potential here now for a massive spike in skill development. If we've used this downtime properly, can you imagine how skilled we're going to be as we get back into gameplay, back into competition, all right? But here's what does kind of concern me, is getting back to competition, all right? We can't just dive in like this has been a normal year, especially with the baseball season around the corner. Listen, baseball is a unique sport. There's no question about it, but mainly the throwing motion, ladies and gentlemen. That throwing motion is one of the most complex movements in all of sport. Left unchecked or not managed properly, if you haven't built up and gotten ready to throw as much as you're going to for your in your season, listen, it might be one of the most dangerous moves in all of sport. So as our baseball players get ready for the season, it doesn't matter whether you're playing slow pitch, whether you play fastball, uh, softball, or whether you're playing baseball, you really need to spend time getting your arm ready. That includes progressive throwing, but also the arm care exercises that we really encourage everybody from our pros right down to grassroots to be doing. And it's up to the coaches, I think, and the parents to really get our kids thinking about this. And it can be simple things like arm circles, you know, just getting the shoulders warmed up and working properly, really, really important. But we're looking forward to the return of sport. Major League Baseball, the season's right around the corner. April 1st is opening day. It's April Fool's, but this is no joke. It's actually happening. We're looking forward to a full Major League Baseball season coming up. And in the minor leagues, there's going to be some interesting things happening, some rule changes that they're experimenting with. They're looking at using slightly larger bases, going from a 15-inch base to an 18-inch base, square bases. Home plate will stay the same, but, you know, that's three inches larger. You're going to be that much closer to the other bases. And you know those bang-bang plays that we see in baseball? Oh, could we see more players on base, more base runners? Well, we're going to see, but I do like the idea of trying to limit and, and, and get rid of those collisions that are happening on the bases uh, at first base for sure, or sliding in uh, the contacts that are happening. We're also seeing um, shift control, the defensive shift. So players are still going to be able to shift laterally, but the infielders, the first, second, shortstop, and third baseman cannot leave the infield uh, before the ball is put in play. So we're not going to see any more four outfielders, which I don't know if I agree with or not. I mean, if a, if a hitter can't hit into the gap or away from the shift, I think they have every right to do it. So that one I have mixed feelings about. They're also looking to limit the number of pickoff attempts per plate appearance to two. All right. So instead of pick off, pick off or stepping off to keep the flow of the game going, only two pickoff attempts and also the pitcher has to now step off the rubber, clearly step off the rubber before making an attempt to first, which is really going to affect some of those moves those lefties have. There are some great pickoff moves, but those have got to change now. So that'll be fun to watch. They're also going from a 20-second to 15-second pitch clock, which is going to make a big change, trying to hurry the game up a little bit, which is not a bad thing. I like that getting that flow and the, the tempo of the game increased a little bit. I think, it, I think it's going to make for a better game of baseball. And then maybe the big one, maybe the most controversial one, Robo umps, an automatic ball strike system. And they're trying this in the low A in the Southeast League only, but they're looking at um, having the Hawkeye tracking system determining balls and strikes. Now, there's still going to be an ump there. 
Uh, but the umps are going to get a verbal signal, ball or strike. And then the umps going to make the call. So we're not sure how that's going to work out. I think we've all seen this coming. I remember, I think, watching George Jetson episodes where there was like a, 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 a robot ump behind the plate with a little one wheel underneath calling the games. And man, did they know what they were talking about way back in the day, the George Jetson days? Because we're seeing it now, robo-umps. We'll see how that goes over. But listen, from a consistency standpoint, here's the argument. Wouldn't you want the umps to make the right call? All right, well, listen, we've got a lot to get at today. Coming up right after the break, we're going to talk with Carrick Jackson, the president of the newly formed MLB Draft League. What does this mean for the player development pathways in baseball? We'll find out right after this on Crush Performance. You're listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, listen, if you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, reach out. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is my email. Or if you need some help, or if you have a topic you'd like us to investigate, let us know. We answer every message we get. And again, we've dedicated segments, even entire episodes to your ideas. So let us have it. And today is no exception. We've had a number of coaches, players, and parents write in asking about the new structure of the minor league baseball development system. Listen, we've talked about it many times on the show. No game has changed. No sport has changed as much as baseball has over the last little while. And a lot of it has to do with analytics and technology coming in. But boy, oh boy, there's another big change on the landscape. And that is the contraction of the minor leagues. 42 teams eliminated well over a thousand players that would normally be signed are now looking for places to play. And one of the newly developed options that will allow players to get out and get some really, really high end competition, but also get seen by professional organizations and even colleges is the newly formed MLB Draft League. And joining us now to help us get a better understanding of what the Draft League is all about and the role it's now going to play in the performance pathways for up-and-coming players is Carrick Jackson, the newly appointed president of the brand-new MLB Draft League. Carrick, thanks so much for joining us. We know it's a busy time right now. No, thanks for having me on. I appreciate uh, you guys reaching out and one uh, biggest part of this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we've always been passionate about the uh, development of athletes, especially in the game of baseball. It's such a unique environment. Uh, you've been part of that world for 22 years, Carrick. Maybe for our listeners, give us a little bit of your background and how you wound up heading up this brand new league that's <coughs> that's going to be pretty exciting in, in terms of the baseball landscape. Yeah, like you said, you know, it's it's been uh, 20, 22 years now that you say that, uh, a long time, uh, but uh, you know, started off on the coaching side. Obviously, uh, played in collegiately, didn't play uh, professionally. Um, combination of injuries and not being good enough, um, but uh, but jumped right in on the coaching side of things. That uh, uh, right after I got done in college, um, and I've been fortunate enough that I've you know coached um, at various different levels from junior college to Division two, II, Division one. Um, I did, I had a brief stint as a Midwest area scout supervisor for the Washington nationals, um, and did that for a few years, uh, got back in on the coaching side, um, had a family, 
uh, late. I got married late, had a family late, young kids, uh, and I was a recruiting coordinator at the University of Missouri. And and uh, being a baseball guy yourself, uh, you know, being in, on that side and being in the SEC, being a recruiting coordinator, um, I was probably averaging about a hundred plus nights a year on the road. And my wife said we need to make a change, uh, so we made a change, um, and that brought me to the opportunity of working with the Boris Corp and being an agent with them. Uh, and then uh, as our boys got older, it made it easier for me to kind of get back into the coaching side. And I, I went back and was the head coach at Southern University uh, in 2017 and kind of got that thing going a little bit. And, uh, and then this opportunity presented itself. So it's, uh, I've been very, very blessed and fortunate uh, to continue to move up and continue to increase uh, my opportunities and knowledge base with, with each job that I've had. Oh, such an exciting uh, ride and, and what a rise. And you know, um, that background right there, uh, is very, very intriguing for the position you're in. You played college ball, you've coached college ball, you were in the pro side in terms of scouting, you recruited for colleges, but also I'm really, really interested, uh, that you worked with the Boris Corporation on the agent side. I've also, since I, since my time in professional baseball, which I totally loved, it was such a great, great place to be. Um, but, uh, but post, post working, uh, with the Blue Jays as the head strength and conditioning coach, I was able to travel the world with major league baseball and game development, you know, helping, you know, uh, young players develop in pockets of the world where baseball is not a major sport. But I also had the luxury of working on the agency side of things, Carrick. And, and I tell you what, I really, really enjoyed the agency side and more from the perspective of the long-term planning, uh, you know, being able to help teams or help players not just develop their skills right now, but look at the long-term approach and then also help them transition as they either moved up the moved up the ranks of, of baseball or as they move from team to team. That must have been a great experience and a great perspective for you as well in this role. It, it was, especially, you know, when, you, uh, when you're working with the Boris Corporation, um, you're dealing with the 1% of the 1%. Um, so you have that opportunity to uh, be with the best players in the game, uh, helping them navigate uh, their amateur status into the professional status, uh, and then maintaining those relationships as they continue to grow and grow in the game. And, um, you know, and, and that was the thing for me was just, being able to have those conversations with families and, and having the, the knowledge base uh, of, of what the industry and how it worked and how it benefited them, uh, those things were all exciting things for me. Absolutely. Well, now you're a very important piece of the puzzle here with the uh, brand new MLB Draft League. We're talking with Carrick Jackson, the president of the Major League Baseball Draft League. Carrick, let's talk about this. You know, um, baseball has been steeped in tradition. And, you know, some people would say typically slow to change. I can honestly say I don't think I've ever seen a sport change as much as baseball has in the last five to six years. And this is yet another chapter. Um, whenever there's major changes to something like like uh, the game of baseball, uh, some people are a little weary. And of course, I think that's still resonating out there. Uh, people don't understand maybe the true reasons of contraction for the minor leagues uh, or maybe the new pathways that are now provided but when we step back and look at this, I think there's some new exciting opportunities. When you heard about the contraction of the minor leagues and the potential of a major MLB draft league, uh, what was going through your mind? And, and were you pretty confident that this was going to turn out to be something great for players uh, in the long term? Yeah, you know, I think, like you said, I think there's, it's twofold. I think people that, that are outside of the game um, but but think they have a knowledge base think that – you know, look at MLB as being the evil empire and, and 
you know, cutting these, these teams and creating less opportunities for players. But the reality of it is, is, uh, as you well know, there's only 750 big leaguers. And so, you know, this, this notion that there's all these kids out here that have a chance to be big leaguers is unrealistic. Um, and I think that by doing what they did now, what I do understand is you, you got communities that lost teams. And so there's an economic impact and, and I get those types of things. But when you're talking about the business of baseball itself and you're talking about creating big leaguers, I think this move of cutting the draft down, eliminating some of the teams was the right move. Um, it's very similar to the, the whole idea and notion for me um, with where we've gone now with this whole travel and select baseball. There's too many elite teams and not enough elite players. Um, you know, we got prime this and elite that, and there's not that many. It's, it's okay to not be elite. It's okay just to be a kid who plays the game and loves and enjoys to play the game and, and does it for the love of the game that you don't have to be, you know, necessarily the best in the country. Um, so I think the idea of that, um, to me, I think Major League Baseball got it right when they cut down the draft and when they reduce some of the teams uh, with the ultimate goal of saying, hey, we want to produce more big leaguers. And so I think that this opportunity uh, will do that. Uh, and then that's where by moving the draft back, that's kind of the birth of the the draft league is now you take, you know, we have four teams in our league that are in that New York Penn League footprint. Uh, then you have Trenton, who was in the Eastern League, and you have Frederick, who was in the Carolina League. Um, and so now we're still providing opportunity for baseball in these communities. We're just doing it with the amateur players, but we are doing it with a high level amateur player. So baseball is still relevant in these, in these communities, but now we're just shrinking down that scope, if you will. Yeah, no, and that makes sense. And Kirk, I really, really like what you said there. It's okay to not be elite, right? That is so true. And I think more parents uh, and players need to hear that uh, coming out of, coming out of uh, uh, programs like this. So, so that's really good to hear. And I also think I really like the idea of where the MLB draft league fits into the model for some kids, you know, it's another option for them to showcase, develop and play a little more baseball. You know, um, the one thing that I've always really, really found um, intriguing about the game of baseball, especially from the professional side of things is the very, very unique minor league developmental system, you know, to have those, numbers, uh, different number and different levels of developmental teams. And also the long-term approach you could take with players as they come through. I think one of the big worries when, when people heard that they're cutting these minor league teams is how many players are we going to lose? How many of those players that were drafted late and developed late are we going to lose? But um, there's other options out here, and the, the draft league is definitely part of them. But also the partner leagues with the independent leagues uh, could be really, really great for the game and in, in exposing the game in smaller communities and getting kids playing. Does that sort of resonate with you? Oh, no question. I think that, you know, I mean, I, I think that when people, you know, initially when it happened, people were like, oh, well, if they'd have done that, then Mike Piazza would have never gotten a chance. Right. If you're, if you're a big leaguer, you're a big leaguer, right? And, and are there guys out there? There's guys out there that in the 40 round draft that didn't get chances that probably had an opportunity to play. So I think what this will do is it puts more of a focus on scouting and looking to develop big leaguers as opposed to, I think in the old system, you had so many teams and, you know, when you're in a 40 round draft, I mean, how many times do we listen to the draft and, you know, you all of a sudden you hear the Cardinals are taking the cousin of such and such and the brother. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. So now we're drafting people that we're not going to even sign. 
uh, just so they could hear their name called and, and those types of things. So I think that, again, it's a game, but at the professional level, it's a business. Uh, and so when you talk about the business aspect of things, um, I think to, to shrink down your your pool of players that you're looking to pull from and making sure that you're getting the best of the best, um, I think that's what we're going to do. And then, like you said, now you talk about the fact that they're taking the Pioneer League and there's going to be 10 new independent league teams. And, and that's where I think that where we'll see some of the biggest advantages is the idea that now I think independent league baseball is going to grow. And so I think opportunities will still be there for players. And now you go to the independent league, you put up some numbers, and I think some of these pro clubs will go to independent leagues to look to add players to their rosters down the road. Yeah, no, we're talking with Carrick Jackson, the president of the newly appointed MLB Draft League. Carrick, let's talk a bit about the league here and how it fits into the annual schedule. You know, uh, you were involved with the Boris Corp. You know, I've been involved with developmental baseball forever. Um, this could definitely be a stepping stone or a goal on the developmental plan of a young athlete. So, um, you know, for the players who will go there and the timing of the league, let's talk about that a bit and, and maybe the opportunity uh, opportunities it, it provides some of the players uh, that would look that direction. For sure. I, I think, uh, like you said, now that they moved the draft back to mid-July, we're in a situation where on that front end prior to the draft, you know, you got college kids that are getting done with their collegiate seasons around Memorial Day. Those who aren't playing in regionals and super regionals and going to Omaha, um, your Division Two kids are done uh, with their Division Two World Series, JUCO World Series uh, starts Memorial Day week uh, weekend and runs through that that final week. Uh, so what I think that this does is it's it's multifaceted. I think that um, it provides opportunity for small school kids. Uh, that may not have been seen and that got overlooked because scouts, um, you know, these area scouts, when you're in these areas, I think these guys do a great job of covering areas, uh, but their, their look at certain kids are limited. Um, and so, you know, if you got a, if you're in uh, South Texas and Louisiana um, and you have that area, you may go get a look at a small school kid once. And if he's not that guy on that day, then you don't have time to go back because in that area you got Houston, uh, Texas A&M, LSU. Yeah, I mean, you just there's so many schools and so many high-profile high school kids, specifically in the state of Texas, that some of these smaller school places may get one look. So I think that one of the things that this does is we will be able to go out, make sure that we're finding some of these talented kids that are at those lower levels and giving them the opportunity to be seen. Um, I think that it creates an opportunity for guys just to continue to play. Um, you know, you can only take so much BP and ground balls and throw so many bullpens um, in preparation. This is a game you need to play. It's a game of rhythm, um, and, and you need to stay in that rhythm, and you need to stay sharp with your skills in order to make that transition. Uh, and then lastly, I think it's just for the guy that, you know, maybe there's a guy out there that's in Division One school, and he goes through a spring season, and he's a four through six rounder. Um, and he comes out to our league and being on a stage and being in front of decision makers, you know, cross checkers and scouting directors. Now all of a sudden he does really, really well. And some club says, Hey, you know what? We had him as a fourth or sixth rounder, but we are comparing this shortstop in California to this shortstop over in Texas. And we saw these two guys on the field together and Hey, maybe we need to take this guy at the bottom of the third round. So I think those are where the opportunities uh, that will be created for kids that have a chance to play in our league. Yeah, I really like it, Carrick. Hey, for a second here, can we go back and put on your college coaching hat? 
Um, you know, the great college coaches that I know, man, they're just so vested in the kids and they're always looking to advance them, not just as baseball players, but also as human beings through their academics, but also creating opportunities. So let's say you are back at Southern University with your coach's cap on there and you're looking at this new uh, MLB draft league. Um, how does how does a college coach now look at this league uh, and, and maybe work it into some of their plans? So I, I think that they're uh, with this first year because there's still some uncertainties. There's some hesitancies on some college coaches' parts, and I've had some of those conversations in which we talked to them and, and kind of explained to them what we're looking to do with this league. This isn't a deal where your kids are going to be bullied or forced to sign. Um, you know, this league for me is going to be very, very player centered. Um, it will be a holistic developmental environment uh, with coaches, players, all the likes, umpires, the whole deal. I, I really want this to be, you know, create internships for guys with uh, data, with all the data analysis that we're doing, create uh, opportunities for umpires to grow and develop, create opportunities for young coaches, and then obviously create opportunities for the players. And so as a college coach uh, with the right guy in mind, um, again, we want this to be similar to that of the NFL symposium type feel where right. we provide these kids with a true understanding of what major league baseball is all about. Um, again, like I said, you've been involved in it long enough to know that these kids perception of pro baseball and the reality of pro baseball are two different things. We want to take this opportunity in the summer to provide them with the reality um, and get them to understand that it's not about you being good enough physically it's about you being good enough holistically, which involves the discipline, the mental focus, um, you know, being able to have the aptitude, being able to have the wherewithal to go through some, some failure and then still being able to come out on the other end. Uh, because the, the, as we talk about, the beauty of our game is if you don't have a good night, well, you can go back out tomorrow and fix it. The same time, you can string together four or five bad nights. Um, and if you don't have the mental aptitude uh, to be able to work through that, that can, that can spin you out of control. Um, and so we're going to, we want to bring in former big leaguers to talk to these guys. We want to bring in former first rounders that had great experiences. We want to bring in former first rounders that had bad experiences. We want to bring in the guy that spent 10 years in the minor leagues and never stepped one foot on a big league field. We want to bring in the guy that was a 30th round grinder who grinded his way all the way to the top. And then hopefully what we'll do is, we create an environment where we're sending kids out that want to be big leaguers and not just want to play pro ball. Um, and again, Jeff, you've been around it long enough to know there's a huge difference between those two. The guy that just wants to go back home and wear the T-shirt and the hat and says, I was drafted by the Dodgers, as opposed to the guy that says, I'm going to play in Dodger Stadium and nothing is going to stop me from doing that. And everything that I will experience in route to that will just help me be better when I get to the big leagues. And so if we can produce more big league minded kids then I think we'll be in a great situation. I really like that context, Carrick. And I think that is a very, very important thing because one thing that you said there is so true. Everybody thinks they want to pro play pro ball, but you uh, don't have an understanding of what it really takes to actually play the game and succeed in the game. And that's a real, real important distinction. So that's going to be a huge part of this program. And I'm really excited about that, Carrick. So, so as we move forward here, um, let's talk about this. We've got a couple of major things going on in the world right now. Of course, one of them, COVID. And two, the time frame. You, my friend, have been under the gun. This time frame that you've had since you've been hired to 
get this league up and running. Uh, man, I'm just uh, I'm I'm in awe at what's happening right now and how quickly it's coming together. So so let's talk about that. And then also um, the health and safety protocols for Major League Baseball spring training just came out. That's an exciting move for everybody in the game. Um, and how does that influence you guys in this COVID landscape? For sure. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, when you talk about the time frame, uh, I'll, I'll tell you uh, in full transparency, this is one of the toughest things professionally I've ever done. Um, it, it, uh, there's so many moving pieces and different factors. And again, it's such a tight window uh, to, to get it off and get it off the right way. So uh, from that standpoint, yes, it, it has been a constant go. Um, and, and I, you know, I told my wife a, a few weeks back, I thought I talked on the phone a lot as a recruiter in the SEC. This thing far blows that away. Um, <laughs> I you know, there's a, there's, there's a, uh, you know, I, I tell players all the time that there's a difference between physical fatigue and mental fatigue. Yeah. And that mental fatigue is a whole nother level. Um, and, and I've experienced that uh, during this process, uh, but at the same time energized because of where I see it going and what I want it to be. And so that's what keeps me going. Um, you know, and then, to, to the other uh, point as far as um, getting these guys uh, going in this atmosphere and, and making some things happen. Uh, you know, I think it's well, when you look at uh, what we're doing from and, and the time frame that we're working in, it, it's um, connecting all these pieces together, making sure that everybody's on the same page, getting schedules in place, getting the players procured because that falls, uh, you know, on me to make sure that we're getting that done and, and have some assistance with some other guys to help me do that. And then hiring the staff and those types of things. So yeah, it, it is, uh, it's been something that's been a tall task, but but I'm excited by it. Well, hats off to you and everybody there, Carrick. This is a pretty exciting time in baseball. I mean, we've seen the game change uh, on the field in terms of the analytics and data and the influence it's had. Uh, we're seeing the change in terms of development and the physicality of our players. Um, but it's been a long time since we've seen an adjustment in the pathways for development here. Really exciting time, Garrett. Carrick, thanks so much for joining us today. I look forward to maybe staying in touch and just updating and maybe as, as the uh, season goes on and you guys get your, your first year underway. No, I appreciate you. And, and I forgot to, um, you mentioned about the COVID protocols. Obviously, yes, that's something that we're factoring in. Um, we will be under those same guidelines, um, you know, with what MLB is doing and look to kind of hold true with that uh, as well. So, those are, when it comes to that, um, we will definitely make sure we're putting these kids in the best position to be safe uh, and go out and enjoy this experience. And, and again, Jeff, I appreciate you reaching out uh, and look forward to talking to you in the future as well. There you go. Carrick Jackson, president of the newly formed MLB Draft League. This is going to be really interesting to watch. I don't think we've ever seen a major shift like this in performance pathways for a major sport like baseball, especially at that level. This is elite players, players on the doorstep of trying to compete in professional sport and to take away 42 minor league teams. And MLB has some good reasons. We'll talk more about that. And we've talked about it in the past already, but there are reasons that this move was made, whether you agree with them or not, uh, you know, and that's fine. Everybody has their opinion on this. But what we're most concerned about here is what is going to happen to the players who are still striving to make it to Major League Baseball, who want to chase down that dream. And a lot of people are worried about this new pathway um, and how many players that now might get missed because they just aren't going to have maybe the opportunities they've had in the past.
Well, Carrick talked a bit about the role here and who's going to be able to play and the exposure these players are now going to get. We're predicting probably a real, real influx of talent into the collegiate pathway. A lot of players sign out of high school, go straight to professional ball. That's not going to happen quite as often now, I don't think. Having the draft moved up to July is going to be an interesting move. It makes way, of course, for this league and for for scouts and organizations to get a final look at some of the players. It's also going to give the players a real taste of what professional ball is all about. And right along that, running in parallel, of course, is the independent leagues. I think we're going to see a massive, massive influx of talent into the independent leagues. There is a massive opportunity here for owners and teams that understand what what this new lineup might look like, you know, for the independent leagues. Now um, there's going to be a lot of great young players domestically and internationally looking for places to play because they're not going to get signed into professional baseball like they would have in the past. Oh boy, is this going to be fun to watch? Um, My concerns were of course, great. When we first heard about the potential, you know, contraction and, and cutting of, of minor league teams, But the dust is starting to settle now, and a picture is starting to come together. A picture of what the new landscape is going to look like and the opportunities that are out there. It's going to take some time for the opportunities to really, really uh, make themselves known and fine-tune their role in this new landscape. But I do believe the MLB Draft League, collegiate baseball, we already know well before this was even talked about was a really solid option for young baseball players. Uh, Whether you go the Juco route, doesn't matter what what level you play, Division 3, 2, or Division 1 baseball. um, You get there, you're giving yourself a chance for sure. But then the independent leagues now and the draft league are just, you know, sort of going to be there for those players that want more baseball or just need more time to develop. Or players trying to make their way back into professional baseball. Whew! This is going to be fun to watch. And I guarantee, listen, other sports are watching with great, great interest. All right. We have to thank Carrick Jackson for joining us. It's such a great conversation and really put things, you know, into context for us. Coming up next week, listen, we're going to continue the baseball talk, player development talk. We are going to speak with Angus Monkford, the VP of performance for the Toronto Blue Jays. It is an incredibly exciting time for that organization. Such an incredible core of young talent. And they're not done yet. Trust me. I think there's more to come on the player side. But more interesting is their massive commitment to player development. Their brand new complex opened up in Florida. It is a $100 million player development gem. And I'm telling you, in all of sport, this is sending a message uh, across the landscape, not just in baseball, in all of sport. We're going to talk about that, what it means for the organization, what it means for sport, player development. It's the name of the game. It always has been. But now there's so much technology and so much resources being allocated and dedicated to the development of young talent in every single sport. Baseball is just one of them. Helping young players maximize their talent. Helping uh, uh, the top players get better every single day. And extending those careers. It's one of the phenomena we're seeing in all of sport right now. More great young talent coming into sport. Making an impact. And yet... Careers, the veterans are staying longer and contributing at levels that we've never seen before. Oh, sports science, baby. I love it. Can't wait till next week. So until next week, remember, if you have any questions, comments, if you need some help or you have a topic you want us to investigate, write to us. Info at crushperformance.com. 
Follow me on Twitter. We're going to be posting a bunch of stuff here going into the spring and a new website coming. It's coming. We're working on it. It's going to be really cool. We're going to be able to share a lot of really interesting things that we haven't been able to share before. So I'm looking forward to that. So uh, keep your eyes open, everybody. Get out there now. Have a great week. Go get a little bit better. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance. Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride. This is a Landry Football Quick Fix on Radio Influence. John Butler did not really believe in Michael Vick's sustainability in the league. But we were discussing, and I can remember him asking me in that trip, because the Purdue workout had been, I don't know, a week or 10 days before I had been to, when Drew Brees came out of Purdue. And he asked me, what, 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 so what's your, what do you think on Drew Brees? And I told him, liked Drew a lot, thought he'd be really good. You know, like most, had some concerns about how is he going to overcome his height, which you can overcome, and I thought, the explosiveness, his foot quickness and explosiveness was going to allow him to be successful on the next level. And I thought he'd be good. I, I didn't know about great, but I thought he'd be good. Well, he asked me, and I, I went into details and I went over things and what I saw on tape. That's probably, a, I think, spoke 15 minutes on it. Don't have time for that. But in essence, I talked about what I liked about him, how much I liked him. Didn't have a lot of concerns, and you know, it didn't give and say, you know, where he would be on our board or what our intentions were or anything like that. I never was the type to do that. He shared for me, he says, I think Drew Brees is going to be one of the best quarterbacks of the upcoming era. I think he is not good but great, despite his height. I think he's the best quarterback in this draft, and I think he's one of the five best players in that draft. The Landry Football Podcast with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.